You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Why in the world, if you believe something so differently, why in the world don't you just go start your own church? Or why don't you just go join the sheep pen that fits better with your doctrinal viewpoint? But some people, because they have selfish ambition, I said it, and they see opportunities for advancement at the expense of the unity of the fellowship and at the expense of the body of Christ. Watch out for doctrinal dividers. Many of us have likely come to terms with the reality that we're simply going to disagree with others throughout this life. While it's perfectly normal to disagree with others in our own congregation about certain doctrinal opinions, unity is crucial. In today's message, Pastor Danny discusses the dangers of those who seek to divide over doctrine, rather than move on or hold their peace. In his study, you'll gain a better understanding of just how dangerous doctrinal division is within the church. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans, chapter 16. As he continues his message, people in the church to avoid. does all these tricks. He's finally turning around, heading back toward the airport, and still not a sound. He lands the plane, goes over to Stumpy, and he can't believe it. He says, look, I can't believe all those tricks I did. I figured you guys would say something, and there'd be some kind of thing between you, but a deal's a deal. No charge. Stumpy says, well, I was going to say something back there when Martha fell out, but $10 is $10. (laughs) Now, that's funny. <laughs> what happened? I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> Stumpy, forbear. He would forbear every year, every year. And finally, enough is enough. And he just got tired of it. And sometimes you just get tired of it. You say, that's enough. I put up with them so much, you know, and all this. And you, you just say, that's enough. Forbear with one another. Now, the text talks about their character. What's their character? I want this to sink in. The character of these kind of people, they're self-seeking. You could say it in any number of ways. You could just say they're selfish. Because that's what they are. They're selfish. When I read James chapter 4 now, it says, where you have envy and selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. There you find disorder. And here's what it says. And every evil practice. I personally now see selfishness and selfish ambition as a worse sin than drug addiction, prostitution. Selfish ambition does more damage than drug addiction and prostitution. 
after James 3, you get into James 4, and he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And if you read it, the root of it is selfishness. Our text says they're not serving the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. There's something they want. There's some satisfaction they're looking to get. They're self-seeking. And if you don't think we struggle with this, <laughs> Jesus is starting team, the 12, the apostles. Let me take you quickly, quickly. Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9 and verse 33. Some of these stories are a bit humorous, but at the same time, they're very serious. Mark chapter 9 and verse 33. They came to Capernaum. He's with the 12, the apostles. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the, on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Well, that personal time should have done it for him, right? <laughs> well, go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And you go down to verse 20. And this is sometime later now. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, that would be James and John, came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left. I don't care which one's on the right and which one's on the left, as long as it's number one and number two. You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can't. And Jesus said, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom the Father has prepared for them. And th look at verse 24. When the ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. And the unity of the starting team is already threatened right there. Well, you think they learned it there. Uh, no, go one more. Luke's gospel, chapter 22. And now they're at the final Passover meal before Jesus goes to the cross. And verse 24, here's the record. At the final Passover meal, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Well, certainly the cross and the burial and the resurrection, certainly they're different after the resurrection. <laughs> okay, I'll give you one more. Only by request, if that's what you want. All right, one more. Uh, John chapter 20. John's gospel, chapter 20. After the resurrection. <laughs> this is humorous. When you study carefully the resurrection account in John's record, it says in verse 3, when the ladies come from the tomb and tell the other disciples that they were there and he's not there, he's risen and they don't believe it. But Peter gets up and John gets up and they're the first two to make a dart toward the tomb. Verse three. So Peter and the other disciple, John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Why is that important to the record? He doesn't just tell us once. If you go down to... Verse 8, finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, he tells us twice in the record, 
He outran Peter to the tomb. You say, you're just reading into it. When you get to Acts 21, Jesus is on the shore. They've gone out and fished all night. They catch no fish. Jesus says, hey, caught any fish? Nope. Cast your net on the other side. Payload like they hadn't had in three years when Jesus did it three years before. And now they have breakfast with Jesus. After breakfast, Jesus reveals to Peter, verse 18, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went whether you want where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. You know what Peter says? He looks and sees John following them and says to Jesus, if that's what you have for me, what about him? And Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. And then it says, verse 23, because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus didn't say he wouldn't die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive. In other words, why is your focus on comparing yourself to him? Your focus ought to be on following me. And in all the records, here's what you find. They struggled just like you and I struggle with selfishness and self-seeking. First church split in the Bible, Moses and 250 board members. But it started with one of three key leaders. Korah is his name. And he talked Dathan, his friend, and Abiram, his other friend, into leading 250 Israelite leaders against Moses and Aaron. And if you read the story, they weren't satisfied with what God had given them and the place that God given them, had given them in the church, and they wanted Moses' authority and Moses' position. And it caused the first church split in the Bible. Did you know that selfish ambition began with Satan himself? <laughs> Isaiah tells us the record that Lucifer in his heart, he decided being Lucifer, this incredible angelic creation, that the indication is he was the top dog of heaven under God. And it wasn't enough for him. And he said, I'll ascend above the throne of God. And it was selfish ambition that was the very first sin. And it started in Lucifer. Now, we got to move on. Their methods, our text tells us, involves talk. And some of these people are good. Smooth talk. And with the smooth talk, flattery. Don't miss this one. Commendation bestowed for the purpose of gaining favor and influence. I put in my notes, handwritten, they are nice to you. Listen, they are nice to you, but they have a beef with someone or something in the church. And they're nice to you, 
because they want you on their side. They prey on naive people. Naive people are people who lack experience, wisdom, and judgment. And so closing it out, let's get a little detail. What exactly do you watch out for? I call them doctrinal dividers. In, in my pastoral ministry, we've had, unfortunately, many. We've had people in the church that have bought into doctrines that are outright cultic, but we've also had situations where it's not a matter of being a cult type thing. It's just a disagreement. And what people don't know, and what I'm going to be very, very careful in sharing is that the things went, that went on in my previous pastorate, there are things that people do not know. And some of the disagreement that caused ultimately a church to be divided were doctrinal. Calvary Chapel as a church movement, we are not Calvinist and we are not what's called Arminianist. Now you say, I don't know what either one is. And as I've said for years, then you're blessed. Because I don't believe the truth is in the Calvinistic camp or the Arminianistic camp. I believe the truth in biblically is somewhere that's a balance of the two. And that's why we have a whole movement called Arminianism that believes you can lose your salvation. And there's another whole camp that so stresses the sovereignty of God that they don't give people a choice. You are either chosen or you're not chosen. You are elect or you're lost. And I believe both extremes are unbiblical. And I had no idea that when I would preach the truth about Calvinism or Arminianism, there was someone on my staff that had become, in Christian college, a Calvinist. And every time I would teach, and sometimes in my sarcastic way, and I don't know if you realized I'm sarcastic, they would get offended at my statements against Calvinism. And what people don't know is that was part of the issue, a big part of the issue, with the whole church being divided. Watch out for doctrinal dividers. Why in the world, if you believe something so differently, why in the world don't you just go start your own church? Or why don't you just go join the sheep pen that fits better with your doctrinal viewpoint? But some people, because they have selfish ambition, I said it, and they see opportunities for advancement at the expense of the unity of the fellowship and at the expense of the body of Christ. Watch out for doctrinal dividers. Watch out for people who gossip. Every church deals with gossip. It, every church, every church, every church deals with gossip. You can't believe the things that people, have, the rumors that have started since we started here four years ago. If you have a question about something, if you have someone that's told you something, listen, if you wonder or doubt if something is true, email me. Grab me after a service, and I'll tell you the truth. I mean, there have been rumors that I'm retiring. lady came up a few weeks ago in tears, in tears. I was, I was encouraged that she was in tears because she thought I was leaving. At least there's one person that doesn't want me to leave. 
We have people get all bent out of shape because in the plans for renovating the property, which is some great plans, we're going to, I mean, God's going to do great things next year in terms of renovating the whole property. But they heard that we were going to move, to tear down the cross outside, you know. And I had a lady come up to me and I thought she was going to hit me. Because she heard that we were going to tear the cross down. And just so I didn't get hit, I said, we won't do it. No, we're not going to tear the cross down. But, I mean, it's amazing the things that people believe. Just because of gossip. That's why the National Enquirer is such a big seller. Gossip. Gossip. I wish I had to put the definition on here. Here, let me give it to you. Gossip. Casual or unrestrained conversation or reports about other people typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. You just heard it from somebody, but you didn't go to the source. There's still people I occasionally will run into from my previous pastorate, and when I see them, I feel like I have leprosy. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not, I'm not trying to put us better than anybody else. I'm just telling you the reality of my life because there are things that people believe about me that have never, and one of the most painful things in my life as a pastor and as a human being is the things that people have heard about me and people that I was close to, fellow leaders, and they've not come to me and looked me eyeball to eyeball and said, I heard this, I just want to know, is it true? At least give me an opportunity to lie. (laughs) It's the most painful thing. The things they believe because somebody else said it and they just took it at face value and said, well, I must be true. And then we've heard, I'm not even going to get into all the things we've heard. And if some of them were true, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be alive. You know why? My wife would have killed me. She doesn't believe in divorce, but she would accept murder on certain, in certain circumstances. Gossip is evil. It's evil. It's evil. Proverbs says the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. You know what that means? It fits in right with the text. They're serving their own appetites, their own appetites. And when you hear, what? What did you say? And you just want to eat it up. You want to eat it up. We just love gossip. Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse person stirs up conflicts. Conflict and a, and a gossip separates close friends. I got people I used to go on vacation with right now, and we're, we have no relationship right now. And it's just, it breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. All because somebody's gossip. And again, my purpose in relating it to my previous pastorate is not to make us seem better than somebody else. I made mistakes. I came forward with those mistakes. But there are things that happened that, that just were, were so evil, just evil, because of people talking. And now relationships are severed because of gossip. It's evil. I don't know who it was that said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But I'll tell you, they're probably dead now because if they weren't dead and we find out who it is, I'd say, let's get together and have a talk. 
because it's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't you tell your kids. Don't you tell your kids that. It's a lie. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Let me tell you the truth. Proverbs 18, 21, the power of life and death is in the tongue. James says, the tongue is a restless evil set on fire of hell. No man can tame the tongue. That means if you're not submitted to the Lord, your tongue's going to do you in and you'll hurt other people and you'll hurt the church. And you'll be happy and I'm happy, but I'm out of time. <sighs> Watch out for assumers. I gave you three scriptures and there's lots of them, but one of the greatest is Joshua 22 and the three tribes, Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, they wanted to settle on the east side of the Jordan, and God let them do that. But he said, go on and fight with your brothers until we've gained possession of the promised land, and you can go settle in your inheritance. And on their way to their inheritance, they built an altar. Word quickly got back to their brothers. They built an altar, and they assumed that the altar was an idolatrous altar. And they strapped on their swords to go at war with their brothers and thank God before they cut anybody's head off, they at least gave them an opportunity to talk. And Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, when the brothers showed up, showed up with the sword ready to fight them and ready to wipe them out, they said, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? We built the altar because we're going to be living on this side of the Jordan. We built the altar as a constant reminder that we're serving the same God. Far be it from us to serve any other God. And it says when their brothers heard the motive and the reason for the altar, they were pleased. And all of a sudden, peace and unity and love was restored. And last but not least, watch out for people who have a disregard and show disregard for the authority, not to lord it over our lives, but whenever someone leaves a church fellowship or steps out or goes against church leadership, they, they've, they've taken an independent, independent step. Independent step. And independence is always, always of the enemy. God always wants us in submission. And that's why Paul commends those who are being obedient. Most painful experience of our lives has been the splitting of the church that I pastored for many, many, many years. It was a failure to deal with disagreements and personal offenses biblically. There were attitudes that missed the grace of God and turned to bitterness, and I had no idea. And there was selfish ambition. People who saw my downfall as an opportunity for advancement. I mention those things specifically, not again to say I was at fault. I say that so we'd become wise, so we don't let it happen again. Don't allow anybody to lead you away from the fellowship of the church. Don't get involved in any gossip that divides relationships. Don't ignore biblical authority. And don't bypass biblical authority. As my friend Vivian Laird used to always say, best way, bro, is eyeball to eyeball. 
eyeball to eyeball. If we could have just sat down, eyeball to eyeball. Hey, we heard this. Is this true? It would have never happened. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You're welcome to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Danny by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We also encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest messages and videos from Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry. If you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you in person. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. But if you're unable to visit us in person, no worries. We also offer live stream services. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series in the Book of Romans, our prayer is that you're finding a newfound appreciation for who Jesus is and how your life should reflect Him. Throughout the book of Romans, we read about the faith that Paul had in Jesus and how he didn't back down from his beliefs. Likewise, we encourage you to stand firm in your faith. The goal of this ministry is teaching the Word and reaching the world. We trust that the living Word is speaking to many and pray that lives would be changed. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Tune in next time to hear Pastor Danny continue to teach through the book of Romans right here on The Living Word.